Okay, one, two, three. Good evening. I call this meeting to order. Kyle, please start us off. Good evening. This is a meeting of the San Francisco Commission on the Environment. The date is Tuesday, March 22nd. The time is 5.04 p.m. The ringing and use of cell phones, pagers, and similar devices are prohibited. Please be advised that the chair may order the removal from the committee room of anyone using a phone or similar device. For remote participants, please note that the ringing of cell phones, pagers, and similar devices can still happen virtually and is still prohibited. Please turn your devices off. Due to the COVID-19 health emergency and to protect commissioners, department staff, and members of the public, commissioners and department staff may participate in the meeting remotely. This exception is taken pursuant to the statewide stay-at-home order and all preceding and proceeding local, state, and federal orders, declarations, and directives. Commissioners may attend the meeting through video conference or by telephone if the video fails and participate in the meeting to the same extent if, as if they were physically present. Commissioners, department staff, and members of the public who are physically present are required to wear a mask or face covering while in City Hall. Public comment- Excuse me, may I interrupt? Um, we do not hear anything. So make sure you- As of right now, I cannot hear anything, although I do hear you. Commissioner Wald, can you hear us? I can now hear you. But, but I, if anybody else is speaking now, I cannot hear anything. Deidre, can you hear us? Deidre, can you confirm if you can hear us, please? Yes, we hear you now. Okay. Um, we, we can continue maybe starting with the COVID announcement. Um, is that a good place to start, restart? Yes, President Ahn, thank you. Due to the COVID-19 health emergency and to protect commissioners, department staff, and members of the public, commissioners and department staff may participate in the meeting remotely. This exception is taken pursuant to the statewide stay-at-home order and all preceding and proceeding local, state, and federal orders, declarations, and directives. Commissioners may attend the meeting through video conference or by telephone if the video fails and participate in the meeting to the same extent as if they were physically present. Commissioners, department staff, and members of the public who are physically present are required to wear a mask or face covering while in City Hall. Public comment will be available on each item in this agenda. For comments on matters that are not in the agenda, there will be an opportunity for general public comment. Participants who wish to comment in person will be asked to come forward one by one and speak clearly into the mic. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Members of the public who are participating remotely may comment by calling into the meeting. Comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available via phone by calling 415-655-0001, access code 2458-107-1902.
When connected, dial star 3 to be added to the queue. sfgovtv.org is also streaming the number at the top of the screen. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak slowly and clearly, and silence any other devices. Alternatively, members of the public may submit public comment by email at environment at sfgov.org. Comments submitted via email will be forwarded to the commissioners and will be included as part of the official file. Commissioners, please note that the mics will be on for the duration of the meeting. I will now call the roll. President Ahn. Here. Vice President Stevenson. Here. Commissioner Bermejo. Here. Commissioner Hunter. Here. Commissioner Sullivan. Here. Commissioner Wald. Here. Commissioner Wan. Here. President Ahn, we have a quorum. Excellent. Thank you, Kyle. And next agenda item, please. The next agenda item is review and vote on whether to approve resolution file 2022-02-COE resolution making findings to allow teleconference meetings under California Government Code Section 54953E. The speaker is Kyle Wehner, Commission Affairs Officer. The explanatory document is resolution file 2022-02-COE. This item is for discussion and action. The commission will discuss and consider adoption of a resolution making findings that Government Code Section 54953E requires in order to allow the commission to hold meetings remotely as currently required under local law without complying with certain Brown Act requirements. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, commissioners, any discussion on this item? Do I hear a motion to approve the resolution? So moved. A motion from Commissioner Bermejo. Is there a second? Second. Uh, second from Commissioner Hunter. Uh, and is there any discussion or changes beyond this motion? If not, let's open this up for public comment, please. We will begin public comment here in the room. Once in-person comment has concluded, we will proceed to remote public comment. Are there any members of the public who are present in the room today who wish to speak? If so, please come forward one by one and speak clearly into the mic. Are there any other members of the public present in the room today? Seeing none, we will proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. But those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. Deidre, do we have any callers in the queue? Give me a moment as I check the queue. We do have a caller in the queue. And Kyle, could you go ahead and start the timer for three minutes? Let me go ahead and unmute the caller. And I just want to confirm this is comment on this agenda item. Yes.
color you are on mute. It seems like um, there are no callers in the queue. I think there was a, an error. It's based on the comments and on the agenda item. All right. So if there are no remaining callers in the queue uh, and hearing no more public comment on this discussion, Kyle, please call the roll. President Ahn? Aye. Vice President Stevenson? Aye. Commissioner Bermejo? Aye. Commissioner Hunter? Aye. Commissioner Sullivan? Aye. Commissioner Wald? Aye. Commissioner Wan? Aye. The motion passes. Uh, Kyle, next item, please. The next item is the President's welcome. This item is for discussion. Thank you, Kyle. And good evening, everyone. The Commission on the Environment, first of all, acknowledges that we occupy the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramaytush Ohlone peoples, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. We recognize that the Ramaytush Ohlone understand the interconnectedness of all things and have maintained harmony with nature for millennia. We honor the Ramaytush Ohlone peoples for their enduring commitment to Alrep, Mother Earth. As the indigenous protectors of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramaytush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. We recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as First Peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramaytush community. As environmentalists, we recognize that we must embrace indigenous knowledge and how we care for San Francisco and all its people. Thank you for your attention during this important acknowledgement. And this evening marks our first in-person commission meeting since January 2020. We are excited to be here, commissioners, department staff, and members of the public who could join us in City Hall tonight. It is a pleasure to be with you. Commissioner Wald is participating remotely, and we are happy to have her as well. Please note that the format of tonight's meeting is going to be a little different from both previous in-person and virtual meetings. This is a hybrid meeting, as you already well know, with in-person and virtual components. As the commission is using new technology and the meeting format is a little new to us, and we're not in our usual room, it's possible we may encounter a few tech challenges, as you've already heard earlier. With that in mind, I ask for your patience as we navigate this unfamiliar terrain together. We will get through it as we've gone through the pandemic. Thank you to everyone who has prepared for this evening, especially to TV, and again, a special thank you to TV for all their work over the last few years, City Hall Media Services, Deidre Tannenberg, and Kyle Wenner. I also want to thank our city attorney, Sarah Crowley, who is joining us tonight uh, for our return to in-person meetings. And as I just noted, joining us tonight is also our new Commissioner Affairs Officer, Kyle Wenner. We're happy to have him on board. With that, let's open public comment up for this item. Back to you, Kyle. We will begin public comment here in the room. Once in-person comment has concluded, we will proceed to remote public comment. Are there any members of the public who are present in the room today who wish to speak? If so, please come forward one by one and speak clearly into the mic. Are there any other members of the public present in the room today? Seeing none, we will proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this agenda item 
should now uh, dial in, if they have not already, to 415-655-0001. The access code is 2458-107-1902. Be sure to press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. Deidre, do we have any callers in the queue? Let me remember to check the queue. Great. Thank you, Deidre. There are no callers in the queue. Uh, seeing that there is no public comment, um, I think we can then move on to the next item then, Kyle. The next agenda item is approval minutes of the February 7th, 2022 Commission on the Environment meeting. Explanatory documents are, explanatory documents are February 7th, 2022 draft minutes. This item is for discussion and action. Uh, commissioners, if you have the minutes before you, is there any discussion on this? And if not, do I hear a motion to approve the minutes? I'll move to approve. Uh, there's a motion from Commissioner Sullivan. Is there a second? Second. A second from Commissioner uh, Vice President Stevenson. Um, is there any discussion or changes to the motion? Um, Kyle, let's open it up for public comment again. We will begin with public comment here in the room. Once in-person comment has concluded, we will proceed to remote public comment. Are there any members of the public who are present in the room today who wish to speak? If so, please come forward one by one and speak clearly into the mic. Seeing none, we will proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should dial in to 415 Six five five zero 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 one. The access code is two four eight five one zero seven one nine zero two. Be sure to press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. Deidre, do we have any callers in the queue? We do have a caller in the queue. Can you hear me now? Yes. Mm -hmm. Great, it's David Pilpel. Um, I'm not sure that I have in uh, three minutes uh, sufficient time to cover all of the things that I noticed on the minutes. Perhaps I can follow up with the new Commission Affairs Officer, uh, for example, on page Two on item four, I believe my public comment should be prior to the motion because public comment is always taken prior to a vote on the same page. Item five, uh, second line, amend the 1932 residential refuse 
and uh, refuse collection and disposal ordinance, not budget. Um, there were some other things. I don't understand the reference on page three to Joseph Joe Salem. I believe we refer to Joe as just Joe. Um, there was some reference on page four to public comment. There were 11 public comments received. Um, if there were specific people that identified themselves by WebEx or telephone, then I think they need to have their names uh, so indicated. I believe that I spoke on the budget, perhaps. I can't recall right now, but in any event, um, for example, the top of page five, three callers expressed uh, support. It's important that the names of those who gave public comment, if they provided their names, be included in the minutes. Um, I think that's about it. If I find anything else again, I will communicate that to the new Commission Affairs Officer or Charles. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your comment. Deidre, are there any additional callers in the queue? Please give me a moment to check the queue. There are no other callers in the queue. Thank you, Deidre. Thank you, uh, Kyle. And seeing that there's no more public comment or discussion, Kyle, please call the roll. President Ahn? Aye. Vice President Stevenson? Aye. Commissioner Bermejo? Aye. Commissioner Hunter? Aye. Commissioner Sullivan? Aye. Commissioner Wald? Aye. Commissioner Wan? Aye. Excellent. The motion passes. And Kyle, next item, please. The next item is general public comment. Members of the public may address the Commission on matters that are within the Commission's jurisdiction but are not on today's agenda. Kyle, let's open up public comment again for this item. We will begin with public comment here in the room. Once in-person comment has concluded, we will proceed to remote public comment. Are there any members of the public who are present in the room today who wish to speak? If so, please come forward one by one and speak clearly into the mic. Seeing none, we will proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now dial in, if they have not already, 415-655-0001. The access code is 2485-107-1902. Be sure to press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. Deidre, do we have any callers in the queue? Give me a moment as I check the queue. There's a caller on the queue. Uh, so seeing that there is no public comment then, there is one. Can you hear me now? Uh, yes, we can. Great, uh, David Pilpella again. Uh, so to follow up on my 
uh, general public comment from uh, the last meeting. I continue to be concerned about the ballot measure that was placed by the Board of Supervisors, which will appear on the June ballot as Proposition F, which would substantially amend the 1932 uh, Residential Refuse uh, Collection and Disposal uh, Ordinance, uh, may impact the department's uh, um, uh, slice of the impound account uh, funds and uh, radically change uh, how uh, refuse is uh, regulated and rates are set uh, in San Francisco. I filed an uh, 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 opponent's uh, argument uh, to it, which will appear in the voter information uh, pamphlet, uh, although I believe the department cannot uh, advocate for or against the measure since it is on the ballot, uh, some uh, explanation uh, from the department, some factual analysis and discussion of uh, what it uh, would or may mean, I think, uh, would be helpful uh, for the public. Uh, and you might uh, ask the uh, director to provide that at a uh, future meeting. Um, I think it's incredibly important that there be a serious public uh, discussion uh, about uh, this matter in the next uh, two and a half months. I understand um, that there are already uh, impacts to um, how our uh, residential and commercial uh, collection uh, system has been uh, functioning um, and the, the continued scrutiny of uh, past events is not um, um, doing uh, some of us uh, much good, and I'm not sure how the public is, is being served by that uh, continued scrutiny. I will leave it at that um, on uh, that issue, and um, thanks for listening. Thank you for your comment. Deidre, do we have any other callers in the queue? Can you miss that check the queue? There are no other callers in the queue. Thank you, Deidre. Thank you, Deidre. And thank you again, Kyle. Next item, please, then. The next item is presentation of the Commission on the Environment Environmental Service Award to the San Francisco Public Library. Accepting the award on behalf of the library are Charles Coleman, Custodial Manager, Michelle Jeffers, Chief of Community Programs and Partnerships, and Maureen Singleton, Chief Operating Officer. This item is for discussion. Uh, Commissioner Bermejo, can you introduce the Environmental Service Award? It is my honor and a pleasure to introduce this item. And good evening, everyone. It's so good to see everyone here tonight. It is a real pleasure to present this Environmental Service Award to the San Francisco Public Library. One of the highest environmental honors in San Francisco, this award recognizes those whose work has had a truly outstanding impact on both the environment and the health of our community. The San Francisco Public Library has been leading on environmental action for more than 20 years. San Francisco Public Library has long practiced zero waste, green purchasing, and uh, the use of non-toxic supplies. As part of its sustainability efforts, the library has installed energy meters, distributed tens of thousands of LED light bulbs, and established a seed lending library. 
The library's Green Stacks partnership has also inspired patrons about greener living for years with events, book lists, and sustainability resources. Before COVID, the San Francisco Public Library hosted nearly 200 environmentally themed events each year, and the library has continued to provide online programs throughout the pandemic. And I believe that we had one of our first ever joint meetings of the Commission on the Environment and the Commission on the Status of Women. That was a very historic uh, event. 11 of its 12 branch libraries are now lead rated. The historic mission and Chinatown branches will soon be all electric and the new Ocean View branch will also be a model of sustainability. These achievements do not happen by accident. They are the result of tremendous passion, commitment, and leadership. We have three leaders representing the library tonight. Charles Coleman, custodial manager and champion for zero waste and green purchasing. Maureen Singleton, chief operating officer. Michelle Jeffers, chief of community programs and partnerships. The commission is delighted to be able to recognize your leadership. We would not be able to reach the people that we need to reach if, it were not, if you were not with us on this journey. At this point, I'd like to turn this over to Director Rafael. Thank you, Commissioner Bermejo. Oh my gosh, it feels so good to be here in person and to see you three here in person, in full body, not just from the neck up. So it just feels really good. And I want to, I mean, Commissioner Bermejo said beautifully everything that you have accomplished. I wanna speak in the first person about my experience and my gratitude to the library. As a person who used to run the green building program, as well as the green purchasing programs many years ago, it was sometimes hard to get city departments to lean in with us, but never with the library. I'd say, what's the library doing? And it would always amaze me that you were way out in front and just such early adopters. And I think my guess is, is that there's an ethos in the library of just trying things out, of not being so afraid of failure, of not letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. And I don't know if that's because of all the books and the youth that come through your door, that you are just more adventurous than many other departments. But that sense of can do and why not is so infectious and so gratifying for me, has been for all these years. And I also just want to say that that doesn't stop. And we have Climate Action Month coming up. And the library is saying, how can we help? How can we synergize? How can we make sure that everyone is part of Climate Action Month? And so you are our partners. You are our partners in the physicality of the buildings. You are the partners in the operations of the building. And you are our partners in education and outreach. And I'm just so grateful. And now I'm going to turn it over to your biggest fan, and that is my colleague, Sean Rosenmoss. So I'm gonna ask the three of you if you would just stand up and receive Sean's comments. Come closer to Sean. Okay, so, hi, I'm Sean Rosenmoss. I'm the manager of Development Community Partnerships and the San Francisco Carbon Fund. So I am the lucky staff who leads this, the SF environment portion of this collaboration, and I can't tell you how, this is one of my favorite parts of my job. Um, 
So, and I know one of the things, I mean, Debbie said a lot of it, I probably shouldn't say it publicly, but seriously, the SFPL staff are the most creative city staff. I mean, without a doubt, maybe I should whisper that. They're also really gracious, and I don't, it, it's a requirement, do you get that in school? Um, maybe it's the result of answering random and obscure questions all day long, but the most gracious people, they are open to anything, and yes, there's the standard stuff we do. Let's show a film, let's have a panel, you know, let's do this, let's do that. Let's give out 150,000 LED light bulbs, sure, right? Let's package little electric meters and boxes and let people check them out of the library just like they do a book, sure. Let's do a sea level rise thing and have people rappelling off the side of the library. Absolutely. That one didn't work out, but what we know, they love to have dance companies rappel off the side of the library. So I, I don't know what other partners we could have that, that do stuff like that. So if we had to build a collaborator, if we had to get together and go, oh, let's, it'd be the San Francisco Public Library, right? So um, the only thing I do want to say, because I think it got mistranslated, there are 28 branches now, plus the main. 27 plus the main. 27 plus the main, plus bookmobiles, plus one of those bookmobiles is a bike mobile, right? So biking around with books, like how cool is that? Every neighborhood in San Francisco, most of the languages in San Francisco, like this is just, you know, when we're talking about reaching people and our equity goals, they're doing it. They're doing it. And so, yeah, I'm really, really excited that you're getting this award from operations to programming and everything else. This is, this is really thrilling for me, so thank you. And thank you for those uh, enthusiastic comments, Sean, and about the great work and about the can-do attitude that really the public library is any, you know, your imagination is, uh, is limitless and for their ability to really come through. And if any of you would like to share anything, please do so now. Sure. Thank you for this opportunity and this honor. My name is Maureen Singleton. I'm the Chief Operating Officer for the library and I am honored to be here with my colleagues Charles and Michelle. And you did an amazing job, Commissioner Bermejo, summing up our relationship and our partnership. We are grateful for the continued opportunity to work with the Department of Environment and take on all the great ideas that come our way from you and we want to just reiterate you say the word and we are there to partner with you and it's just been a great opportunity to work with you to try things out and um, and it really started with a lot of great work around the green stacks program which also was an opportunity to partner with our friends at the san francisco public library to help share the knowledge and the information about greener living and all the opportunities through great programming, book lists, everything the commissioner said. So I just want to take this moment to really not just thank you for this award, but for being our partners and continuing to challenge us and call on us to take on different options and opportunities to help take care of our environment. So with that, I want to offer the opportunity to Charles, who's a, one of your best champions on green cleaning and zero waste at the library, and then Michelle to speak as well. Thank Charles. You. Thank you, Maureen. <clears throat> Commissioners, thank you so very much uh, for this uh, expression of your acknowledgement. 
I extend my gratitude and my appreciation for this recognition. It could not have been achieved if not for the support of my senior management, Maureen, Michelle, and the SFPL custodial team, and the awesome support from the Office of Environment. Uh, our mantra is that we expect to enjoy our environment and each one do their part, however small it may be, for it adds to the bigger picture for all of us. Thank you again. With your continuing support, we will continue pressing forward uh, towards the mark. Thank you so very much. And I feel like everything has already been said, but I'm Michelle Jeffers, Chief of Community Programs and Partnerships. I just want to say thank you, Debbie Bench, and leaning in. We are so proud to lean in with you, and you really push us to be better partners. We, have, we do have a history, a 150-year history of reusing things, but um, thank you for, for encouraging us to continue to, to lean in more on environmental matters. Thank you. Thank you. And then now it's Don't go anywhere. Um, we'll need to do one full commission picture. So, Commissioner Bermeo and San Francisco Public Library. Yeah, a larger picture. Do we have pub do we need public comment for this item? Is there yes. any public comment, public comment on this item? Um, Kyle, let's go ahead and take public comment. We will begin with public comment here in the room. Once in-person comment has concluded, we will proceed to remote public comment. Are there any members of the public who are present in the room today who wish to speak? If so, please come forward one by one and speak clearly into the mic. Are there any other members of the public present today who wish to speak? 
Seeing none, we will proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. Deidre, do we have any callers in the queue? Give me a moment as I check the queue. We do have a caller in the queue. Uh, I'm assuming you can hear me okay. It's David Philpel. I moved from the phone to the computer. I'm juggling two different meetings, so I'm going to have to leave and come back. But I wanted to speak in support of the uh, award uh, recipients. The library, as uh, several of you indicated, has been a longtime supporter of the environment. Uh, I was going to say it goes back to when Luis Herrero was city uh, librarian, but I think it actually predates uh, Luis. It, it really is the ethos of the library and all that, that they do in uh, facilities and, and programs and, and film and uh, green uh, stacks and in everything. And uh, across the street from the old department office, um, um, a, a little farther away now, but not that far at all. Um, uh, big supporters and um, uh, couldn't be more pleased uh, with the, the three recipients on behalf of the thousand or so uh, staff in the, the library uh, main uh, branch of the entire system. Um, congrats to all. Thank you for your comment. Deidre, do we have any other callers in the queue? Give me a moment to check the queue. There are no other callers in the queue. Thank you, Deidre. And one thing we did not uh, encourage was any other discussion or comments from staff or commissioners. Uh, Director Raphael? Yeah, thank you, President. Um, I just want to say that there is one person who isn't here tonight who I really wish was, and that's Michael Lambert. He is at a conference, so he's busy, but he is such a phenomenal leader, such a big champion of the environment and of the library uh, when we launched our climate action plan. He was right there helping us along with all of you. So I just want to do a shout out to an amazing head library of the library. So thank you. Any other discussion? Seeing none, next item please, and Kyle. And thank you again to the public library for your service. The next item is review and vote on whether to approve resolution file number 2022-03-COE, Mayor Breed's Legislation Electric Vehicle EV Charging Plaza Ordinance. The sponsor is Deborah Rafael, Director. Speaker is, Deborah, is uh, Sarah Owens, Environmental Policy Advisor for San Francisco Mayor London Breed. Aaron Starr, as the Planning Manager of Legislative Affairs, and Lowell Chu, Energy and Clean Transportation Program Manager. The explanatory documents are Ordinance Board of Supervisors file number 220036, Legislative Digest 1, and draft resolution file number 2022-03-COE. This item is for discussion and action. Director Raphael, can you introduce this item? Thank you, President Ahn. 
So San Francisco, as we all know, is an incredibly dense urban environment. And in fact, 70% of our residents live in multifamily dwellings. We also know that our residents very much prefer to charge at home. And therefore, we have a conundrum because we've got a large, people, large number of people who live in multifamily units. They don't have access to charging in their garages if they even have a garage. And if we're going to equitably decarbonize transportation, we're going to have to solve this publicly accessible charging station uh, shortage. Well, one of the things we discovered is that it's actually much easier to build a new gas station than an EV charging station right now in San Francisco. And the solution is right in front of us in our planning code. And so the mayor um, is sponsoring very wonderful common sense legislation. And I'm thrilled that today we have the mayor's environmental advisor, Sarah Owens, who is absolutely a key partner to our department on all things leadership and an environment. And she will be presenting on the mayor's plan along with others who are here. Hello. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Thank you, Director Rafael, um, and good evening to members of the public as well. Uh, so my name is Sarah Owens, um, and I am Mayor Breed's environmental policy advisor. Um, and I'm here today, as Director Rafael mentioned, to provide an overview of the mayor's proposed legislation uh, to update the San Francisco Planning Code to accelerate permitting of public electric vehicle charging. So next slide, please. As you all know, the transportation sector is responsible for the majority of San Francisco's greenhouse gas emissions, which are primarily from private vehicles running on fossil fuels. And a key strategy in our climate action plan is to switch from being car dependent to using sustainable modes of transportation. However, to rapidly reduce emissions, those cars that do remain on the road should be zero emission. The conversion from fossil fuel to electric vehicles is already happening with nearly all major automobile manufacturers committing to an all-electric lineup by 2030. Over the next few years, EVs will become more affordable, go further on each charge, and become ubiquitous in both new and used car markets. For those with convenient access to charging um, at home or their workplace, making the switch to an electric vehicle is easy. But 70% of San Francisco residents live in multi-unit dwellings and many of them have no access to home or workplace charging, and they park their vehicles on the streets. So to convert from the fossil fuel to electricity, these residents must have access to a convenient, affordable, and safe public charging network. Next slide, please. So thankfully, we already have a really good idea of what that public network needs to look like. Uh, this map indicates the number of public level two and DC fast chargers that San Francisco needs by 2030. The green shades indicate projected EV stock and the zip codes with the darker shades will have higher electric vehicle stocks and vice versa. The number of public level two and fast chargers are shown respectively by the orange and blue numbers. And under the best case scenario, San Francisco needs a total of 1,400 public level two and 350 DC fast chargers by 2030. That's what we, to that's what we need in total. Um, and right now, um, we have 1,016 public chargers, of which 104 of them are fast chargers. 
just to clarify on this slide, this, these numbers in the blue and red circles, the big ones are a little bit out of date. So the updated delta between where we, where, where we need to go and where we are is we need at least another 488 level two chargers and 246 additional fast chargers from where we are. So beyond the numbers of kind of the, the number of chargers that we need, their dis distribution and what neighborhoods these chargers are installed is just as important. To meet the 2030 charging demand, chargers of both types must be distributed evenly to ensure convenient access, particularly for areas that have a lot of multi-unit dwellings. Next slide, please. Currently in San Francisco, developers of public charging projects are experiencing delays. This is because the San Francisco planning code in its current form does not directly allow for these projects. EV charging projects are required to comply with regulations written for gas stations because our planning code does not provide an explicit category for standalone EV charging locations. Therefore, these applications require project developers in the planning department to work out a permitting pathway, often on a case-by-case -case basis, using planning code provisions designed for gas stations. Next slide, please. So the existing planning use categories are an imperfect fit for EV charging, um, and they impose limitations more appropriate for dirty fossil fuel facilities. Therefore, Mayor Breed's legislation modernizes San Francisco's planning code to expedite the creation of a more robust EV charging network for San Francisco residents, <coughs> businesses, and visitors. The legislation revises our land use zoning to move San Francisco from fossil fuel-based transportation to an all-electric future by creating clear zoning pathways for sites with existing auto automotive uses, such as gas stations or parking lots, to convert to an EV charging location. Specifically, this legislation allows existing auto uses in certain zoning districts to convert to EV charging by right. A by right approval, also known as as of right approval, kind of the gold standard of zoning permitting processes. It's granted when a development proposal strictly conforms to the zoning and building codes and it qualifies for construction without requiring discretionary approval. So we also think that this legislation will reduce delays and additional workflow for the planning department while expanding opportunities to deploy publicly accessible EV charging stations. Next slide, please. Under this legislation, facilities designated for auto uses could be converted to EV charging locations. So that helps to modernize our infrastructure and utilize our land more efficiently. It also takes pressure off of other land uses while minimizing the impact on traffic and pedestrian safety since the sites are already in existing auto use. And common existing auto uses uh, are parking lots and garages, gas stations, and repair shops. Next slide, please. The legislation also creates pathways for public charging locations that are currently not auto uses. To make it clear for project developers, the legislation clearly identifies where new EV charging locations can exist in the city and what pathway to take. The legislation amends the zoning control tables for several non-residential districts across the city 
to allow electric vehicle charging locations by right. For example, in PDR and certain mixed use districts. It also amends the zoning control tables to allow EV charging pursuant to conditional use authorization in other neighborhoods such as neighborhood commercial and Chinatown districts. The legislation also spells out where EV charging locations are not permitted, such as residential enclave mixed and all residential districts. Next slide, please. The legislation also defines fleet charging, um, and it specifically allows for fleet charging as an accessory use at any public EV charging location, where up to one third of that EV charging location could be dedicated to fleet charging. So fleet charging as a principal use, which are locations that have no retail electric vehicle charging stations that are open to the general public, would only be permitted by right in certain PDR districts and pursuant to conditional use authorization in downtown commercial districts and eastern neighborhoods mixed use districts. Throughout the rest of the city, fleet charging as a principal use would not be permitted. Next slide, please. So the legislation is going before the Planning Commission this Thursday, March 24th. It will then need to be scheduled for a hearing at the Board of Supervisors Land Use Committee and then go to the full Board of Supervisors. If approved, the legislation is written to take effect 30 days after the mayor signs ordinance. Concurrently, Department of Environment staff and I have been engaged in stakeholder outreach, speaking with the Board of Supervisors, labor, EV charging providers and other city agencies and EV advocates. I wanna thank now our co-sponsors of this legislation, Supervisors Mandelman, Stephanie, Marr, Melgar, and Haney for supporting this ordinance. Next slide, please. So in closing, we know that EVs are coming um, and San Francisco needs more charging in order to increase adoption and drive down emissions. To get ready for 2030's charging demand and the billions of dollars available from both state and the federal government, San Francisco needs to update our planning codes to accommodate public, e public electric vehicle charging locations. We believe that this legislation cuts the red tape by clearly defining the locations and fleet charging, allows existing auto uses to convert to EV charging locations by right, and informs project developers where to cite them and identifies clear pathways to permitting. Passage of this legislation will expand San Francisco's public charging network and help us reach our 2040 net zero emissions goals. Last slide, please. Thank you very much, commissioners, for your time. Um, I am joined here this evening by my colleagues, Erin Starr at Planning and Lowell Chu at the Department of Environment, um, and we would be happy to take any questions that you may have. Thank you. Um, yeah, are there other staff presentations as well? Okay. No, just available for questions. Um, any discussion or questions from commissioners? We'll begin there. Uh, yes, Vice President Stevenson. So, um, when do we think, if, if you know, we're aiming for this by 2030, do we have any projections on when actually we would see the amount that we need to generate, the amount of EV charging stations we need to build happen as a result of this change? Yeah, so this, this change um, we think is gonna help us get to where we need to go by 2030, but it by itself is not enough to get us to our 2030 goals. 
um, which is why the Department of Environment's been working on concurrent policies to, to really proactively look at creating more EV charging locations in other in locations um, and working with EV service providers and some of our city departments too are also working with EV service providers to more proactively go after locations because what this legislation really does is just kind of make it possible but by itself it doesn't necessarily spur the type of adoption that we really need. So that's why the state and federal funding that allows us to, to be able to support the creation of additional EV charging locations, that's really gonna be key for helping us get where we need to go. And if we pass this, if this passes um, and changes the code, when will it go into effect? So um, once it passes, the mayor will get to sign it and then it'll go into effect 30 days after her signature. Um, and then that gives the EV service providers that assurance that when they go to the planning commission or, and planning department and submit their permits that they will be, their application will be treated under this new, um, this new code. Thanks. Yeah. Yes, Commissioner Hunter, please. Um, just a quick question about slide seven, or I guess a series of questions. Yeah. Approximately what percentage of the city is actually zoned for production, distribution, repair, and PDR? Yeah, thank you for the question. I will have uh, my colleague Aaron Starr answer that. Uh, it's actually very small. It's about 5% of the city is allowed, or is PDR. So um, we need a, over 700 charging stations, it sounds like. So I'm curious, why did we just choose to limit it to 5% of the city by right when we should be building charging stations throughout the city? Well, we actually are allowing it throughout the city by right. If you take an existing garage or parking lot or gas station or automobile service station, so all of those auto uses already can be automatically converted to an EV charging without conditional use authorization. All they have to do is um, submit a change of use permit and we can approve that over the counter. So there's, if um, I didn't bring the map, but if you look at the map of all the auto-oriented uses in San Francisco, it's just a sea of dots. It's um, all over the city. Even in our residential districts, there's a few gas stations and automobile repair uses, so. Yeah. And I'm, I'm gonna phrase this question poorly, so entertain me here. Generally speaking, based off of those dots throughout the city that you could get over-the-counter approval for, would there be enough space for us to even put 700 charging stations? Yeah, very. There's a lot of space for it, yes. Okay, fantastic, yeah. thank you. Yeah, you raise a really great point, Commissioner. If I may, President Ahn, I yes, also please. have some additional information to add too, is um, that EV charging stations, like individual plugs, can also be installed as they are right now as an accessory use to a lot of other primary uses. So this, when we're talking about EV charging locations here, we're really talking about kind of the gas station equivalent for EV charging, um, but this by no means gets in the way of what already exists of a parking lot adding in a few EV charging stations. Um, and that is gonna be also an important part of helping us get to those additional uh, charge points that we, we definitely need. Thank you. So, Commissioner Sullivan. Thank you. <clears throat> um, I wanted to start out by just saying I'm grateful to the mayor for her leadership on this issue. This is incredibly important. I think EV adoption is one of the most important things we can do to um, achieve our climate goals and the infrastructure is the thing that's holding, holding us back. I think 
In 2021, I, I saw a statistic that, uh, that Lowell shared with me that 20% of the cars sold in the city in 2021 were EVs. And I'm sure that's going to be a much higher number in 2022. Um, and I was trying to count the sponsors. I think I counted four. Is it three or four? Uh, we have five. Five. Okay. So, um, is, it, are we cautiously optimistic? Are there any are there any supervisors with reservations? Are we optimistic that this will sail through the? the board? Yeah, we we haven't really heard um, any significant opposition or concern. So. And we'll continue to work with our colleagues at the Board of Supervisors to offer them briefings in advance of it going to land use, but um, no, major, no major issues on our end. Good to hear. Um, and then the last question, we touched on this a bit in the policy mm -hmm. committee. Um, we asked if, if this goes through and, and it passes and it becomes law 30 days after, um, after the mayor signs, do we expect that there's pent up demand for this and, and will people actually be, will organizations actually be acting to sort of put these EV uh, systems in? And, and if so, who's likely to do that? You must have some sense from talking to stakeholders. Is, is it um, the EV charging companies like EVgo? Is it gonna, I sort of doubt it's the, the Chevron stations um, that are gonna leap to, to help. So who, who do we expect will be the first adopters here? Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, we do, we have heard from a few EV service providers that are closely watching this legislation because they really do want this change to make it more streamlined, simpler to be able to go through the process. Um, so they are closely tracking it to be able to put in their applications once this legislation goes into effect. Um, I wonder if Lowell, I don't know if he would have any additional um, information to add about kind of who we think is going to be taking advantage of it the most and who we've who Department of Environment's been in the closest contact with but it really is a lot of the major EV service providers including folks like like EVgo um, but I don't know if I'll, I'll turn it over to Lowell to maybe provide some more detail Evening, Commissioners. Lowell Chu, Department of Environment. I, I think to add to um, Sarah's answer, I think in addition to the EV charging providers, some of the, I think some of the parking garage operators would potentially take advantage of this ordinance because as they have seen their profits, not, not profits, but just like the, the number of vehicles going to the parking garage decline because people working from home more, they are looking for ways to supplement the business model. So for example, EV charging as an amenity has been brought up. So I think in addition to EV charging providers, parking garage operators and owners could also benefit from this legislation. Thank you. Other questions or comments that may exist? And I also want to actually recognize Commissioner Wald perhaps. I, I don't, without Teams or Zoom, it's hard because we're not in tile format anymore. And I don't have Commissioner Wald's screen um, up anywhere near me, but Kyle, do you happen to see Commissioner Wald? Yes, she's there. Raising her hand, no question. Did you have a question, Commissioner Wald? No, I just had a, a brief comment. Thank you, President, on um, uh, the, the comment briefly is that I believe this is really an elegant uh, and practical uh, solution to one part of the problem that the city is facing in terms of spurring um, EV uh, adoption. And I am really hopeful uh, that the Board of Supervisors will pass this. 
and that we will have this kind of regulation on the books enabling us to move forward to achieve our ambitious goal of climate goals. Thanks. Any other discussion, comments? Um, well, I think this is an action item. I'll need a motion to move this resolution forward. Is there a motion? So uh, there I move. Ah. Uh, perhaps we, we can have a motion from Commissioner Wald and a second by Vice President Stevenson. Um, any discussions or changes? If not, Kyle, let's open up to public comment on this uh, motion. We will begin with public comment here in the room. Once in-person comment has concluded, we will proceed to remote public comment. Are there any members of the public who are present in the room today who wish to speak? If so, please come forward one by one and speak clearly into the mic. Seeing none, we will proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. Deidre, do we have any callers in the queue? Give me a moment as I check the queue. There are no callers in the queue. Um, if no other callers in the queue, the final comment I would make is I really enjoyed the last slide, Sarah, about the child at the steps contemplating <laughs> how long of a journey this will be that, um, you know, and it, hopefully it's not that many steps. There were, it looked like there was 50 of them, but essentially uh, I do see this as a very important first step and I hope uh, commissioners will join me in the uh, vote ahead. So Kyle, please call the roll. President Ahn. Aye. Vice President Stevenson? Aye. Commissioner Bermejo? Aye. Commissioner Hunter? Aye. Commissioner Sullivan? Aye. Commissioner Wald? Aye. Commissioner Bond? Aye. Motion passes. Thank you again for your work, Paul, Sarah. Good seeing you. Um, next item, please, Kyle. The next item is presentation on measure expected to appear on November 8, 2022, general election ballot that would institute state regulations to reduce plastic waste, tax producers of single-use plastics, and reduce and fund recycling and environmental programs. The sponsor is Deborah Rafael, director. The speaker is Alexa Chavez, policy associate at Californians Against Waste. This item is for discussion. Um, I believe this is for Dector, Director Rafael yes. to introduce this Th item. Thank you, President On. I am really excited about this agenda item because I don't know a lot about it myself and so I'm very excited to learn. Uh, this is really truly an educational item and I'm going to come back to why that's important that I emphasize that. So we all know we have a serious plastic pollution problem. That's not news to us. You know, a study showed that each, the average person ingests a credit card's worth of plastic each week. You know, the it's horrifying the, the numbers that we hear about how much plastic is in the ocean versus sea life. 
And we know that that plastic is coming from manufacture of plastic goods, is coming from the use of plastic goods, and it's coming from the fact that we just keep generating more and more plastic, and that plastic doesn't have anywhere to go. So while San Francisco is a leader on zero waste initiatives, including plastics reduction, we also know that those, that leadership can't stop at our borders. We need statewide solutions. And this November's general election ballot will include a measure that's called the California Recycling and Plastic Pollution Reduction Act. And it's that act we're gonna hear about today. We're gonna to hear from Alexa Chavez, who is with Californians Against Waste. That's a wonderful nonprofit based in Sacramento. We work with them a lot on zero waste initiatives. But before Alexa begins and explains what's gonna be on the ballot, I just need to remind the commission about a couple of rules related to presentations on ballot initiatives. So this commission, like any other city commission, cannot take a position on ballot initiatives. So therefore tonight, we're gonna to hear a factual presentation. It's to inform us from Alexa about what the ballot measure would do, who is it's aimed at, what the impacts would be. But our response needs to be factual in terms of questioning and observations, not anything, our opinion on the quality of the initiative. So I'm just gonna caution us to make sure that we are not advocating to express our position of support or opposition. This is a way to publicly educate ourselves and our listeners about this initiative. So with that, I will turn it over to Alexa. Thank you, can you hear me well? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, uh, will I be presenting from my own screen or should I? Perfect. Yep, we can now see your slide. Yes, okay. Uh, so hello, thank you for that great inter introduction. Uh, my name is Alexandrina Chavez. I also go by Alexa and I'm a policy associate with Californians Against Waste. Um, and I will be breaking down and explaining to y'all the California Recycling and Plastic Pollution Reduction Act. Um, so next slide. And just a little bit of intro, um, we're Californians Against Waste, we're an environmental nonprofit, and our mission is to protect communities by the elimination of pollution inherent in the extraction and disposal of natural resources. And we believe in present, preventing waste at the source and holding producers responsible, which is why we've done so much work um, educating about this ballot measure. We think that it's really great for California. So next slide. And so this ballot measure was certified in the summer of 2021 and will appear in the November 22 ballot. So that is eight months from now. Um, next slide. And the, again, that was a great introduction on the plastics issue. Um, plastics is an issue that keeps growing. It's something that recycling cannot keep up with. Um, and this ballot measure really tries to address that. Um, the facts here kind of encompass the plastics issue in California as well. Um, in 2018, there was um, the first global analysis of all plastics ever made, and it revealed that if present trends continue, by 2050, there will be 12 billion metric tons of plastic in landfills, and that amount is 35,000 times as heavy as the Empire State Building. 
Um, and in addition to that, according to CalRecycle, every day Californians discard enough plastic to fill more than 200 Olympic-sized swimming pools, and that's over 12,000 tons. Uh, a report from Beyond Plastics uh, revealed that if plastic were a country, it would produce the fifth most greenhouses in the world, falling behind uh, China, the United States, India, and Russia. So the issue of plastics is something that cannot really be avoided, will not be able to be avoided in the future, and it's important that we address that now, and this ballot measure, again, aims to do that. So next slide. Uh, so with the issue of plastics, uh, we have a choice. We can do better than plastics. We can set the strongest regulations on disposable plastics in the country, and we can shift the market away from petrochemicals to make better materials that are truly compostable and recyclable. And this is a choice that addresses the issue of plastic pollution on all levels, right? A report produced on behalf of the Natural Resources Defense Council by Cure Associates back in 2013 revealed that California cities, towns, and taxpayers are shouldering around $428 million per year in costs to stop litter from becoming pollution that harms the environment, tourism, and economic activity in California. So um, this is a choice that, you know, would hold producers accountable towards the cost of, you know, mitigating plastic pollution that has to be addressed um, in an efficient way. So next slide. And in summary, what this ballot measure does is it would reduce the amount of single-use plastics sold in California, ensure that the remaining is truly recyclable and compostable, and assess a fee on producers to help fund the state's recycling and composting infrastructure. Next slide. And it does this in two main ways. The first is through uh, allowing CalRecycle to set regulations. Um, and these types of regulations are you know, things that uh, local governments across the state have adopted and um, are not very hard to achieve. And this allowing CalRecycle to set these regulations would really put California on an even step forward towards mitigating um, plastic pollution. Um, for example, the ban on styrofoam uh, is something that's been passed in a lot of different local governments, the first being Berkeley back in 1988. Um, and it does things like standardized labeling and marketing of plastic items to increase likelihood of their proper sorting and eventual reuse and improving consumer access to recycling programs. It also requires producers to transition to reusable, recyclable, or compostable, single-use packaging and foodware, foodware by 2023 and require producers to reduce single-use packaging and foodware by 25% every year 2030. So these regulations are aimed at really um, setting a solid um, foundation so that our recycling um, infrastructure in California can keep up with the plastics um, and actually take in the plastics that are being used. Uh, next slide. <clears throat> Uh, the second big thing about this ballot measure is that it would be charging producers up to one cent per item or component of packaging based on the net cost of recycling. So a good example that we like to use is a Capri Sun. Um, it has a plastic sleeve on a plastic straw and it's attached to a plastic pouch. That's three items of plastic that cannot be recycled, so that would be three cents that would be charged for producing a one Capri Sun. And this type of fee is um, estimated to produce about, or bring in about one to $2 billion annually. 
And the ballot measure splits this up into three different fundings, which would be 30% to the Natural Resources Agency, and that would go towards restoration and protection of the state's waterways and coastal ecosystems and funding for parks. For CalRecycle, it would get 50% of that, and it would go towards investing in recycling, composting, and reuse infrastructure, um, as well as funding for regenerative farming practices and food waste prevention. Um, and 20% would be going to local government, and that would be towards protecting local drinking water, preventing cleaning up impacts of plastic pollution, improving local recycling and composting programs, and providing education and outreach. And this is really great because it holds producers responsible for those costs of plastic pollution, and um, it gives these efforts um, continual annual funding, right? Um, a lot of the times when the budget is kind of short in California, Parks is oftentimes the first to get cut off. Um, and we constantly have to be battling for funding for infrastructure, um, recycling infrastructure in California, um, as well as 1383 recently um, has gone into effect this year, right? So this funding could also go towards um, funding those efforts across California, which would be great as well. Uh, so next slide. Next slide, please. The next slide, please, Deidre. Just one moment, thank you for your patience. Just having a minor technical issue. Thank you again for your patience. Thank you, no worries. Um, and so these are, this is a list of examples of uh, what these funds will support um, can help keep our parks and open spaces healthy in the face of climate change. Um, it can go towards helping communities that have been disproportionately impacted by toxic industries recover their health and economies, um, making it possible for farmers to grow more nutritious food with less pesticides without more cost to consumers. Um, so this type of fee, again, holds producers accountable and it puts these funds towards mitigating those issues of plastic pollution that you know, as of right now, falls a lot on California taxpayers. Uh, next slide. Just waiting for the next slide to load. Uh, and yes, that's um, my breakdown of the ballot measure. Um, my contact is below if you'd like to email me or call me, um, and I'm willing to take any questions to the best of my ability. Thank you, Alexa. Um, any clarifying questions from other commissioners, first of all, on the state ballot measure? Yes, Commissioner Sullivan. Yeah, Alexa, thank you for your presentation. Um, I wanted to ask, how did the ballot initiative get on the ballot? So um, back in 20, well, the logistical question is that back in 2020, 
the legislature had just failed to pass um, a similar legislation, which now currently in, is known as SB 54, um, which tackles the same issues. And a lot of the reasons for its failure was because of trade associations, lobbyists opposing it. Um, and that failure got a lot of public attention and environmental groups wanted to run with that public attention and you know bring it to the public to um, be able to pass this kind of legislation. Uh, but COVID hit and the ballot measure was granted an extension to instead be on the 2022 ballot, which is why we're here now. Um, so the reason why we're bringing this to the people again is because we realize that the public is far beyond the legislature with these issues and it's become popular and people behind the ballot want to make sure that we go through with it even after COVID. Got it. And I know in California, we're a big state, it usually takes um, paid uh, petition gatherers to get something like this on the ballot. Who were the supporters, the, the major supporters? Uh, the major supporters that, uh, let's see. I was not around uh, when they were signature gathering. Um, so I can't say for myself, but I'm pretty sure it was environmental groups that really wanted to see this on the ballot measure. Uh, Got it, yes. thank you. And last question, um, if this uh, ballot initiative needs to be changed in the future, how does that work? Do, do, do we have to go back to the voters or is there a, a, a way that the legislature or others could, could amend? Uh, so I would say, uh, Granting CalRecycle uh, the ability to set regulations is really, um, which will allow this ballot measure to be flexible. Um, in that, you know, the ballot measure gives them this kind of list of things that need to be done, and then CalRecycle has the authority authority to hash down how um, what regulations to put in place that will make those um, things happen. And in terms of the funding, um, the wording is kind of broad to allow the Nature Conservancy, sorry, the Nature Conservancy is um, one of the big nonprofits that are helping us pass this ballot measure, which is why they came in my head, but uh, the Natural Resources Agency is what I meant to say. Um, and uh, CalRecycle, for example, that funding is up to them and uh, it allows flexibility for them to continue to address issues as they change, as well as the local government one. Um, and sets kind of a list of things that need to be addressed, but it doesn't hold it to such a specific way where it might not work in the future. Um, this kind of funding is continual. And so as the needs change with plastic pollution in the environment, they're able to um, kind of adapt to that. Thanks very much. Other commissioner comments, questions? Uh, yes, Director Rafael. Thank, thank you so much, Alexa. That was really interesting. And you had the one slide that had that whole long list of things that CalRecycle is going to have the authority to now regulate. One of the things I've heard people say when they talk about this, and I'm not sure which one of those boxes would accomplish this, is that it would enable us as a state to get rid of materials that aren't truly recyclable. So, I mean, that's really the challenge that we have here in San Francisco is that film plastic is very hard to recycle and there are other kinds of plastics, numbers six or seven that, you know, aren't really recyclable because there are no markets for them. So how does this ballot initiative 
help us get to that point where we might not have so many different kinds of plastics on the market that have no markets? Does it help us in that, get to that? I think that a lot of the phase-in regulations are going to be what's key to that, and that you know by 2023 it requires producers to transition um, and to reduce single-use packaging, so that will help with that type of plastic. Um, the establishing of guidelines to define reusable, recyclable, and compostable, um, and use of recycled content and renewable materials will also help um, kind of shift the market to. Um, start using more of those uh, materials um, and also the standardizing of labeling would make it more clear for consumers. So it's um, kind of requiring that reduction of those um, types of uh, items that will not be able to be recycled as well as, you know, really setting the definitions that will allow our recycling infrastructure to take in the current plastics. Thank you. So if there are no other comments, um, let's open it up for public comment. But in the meantime, Commissioner Wald, if you could also signal to us if you'd like to comment on this item too, I think that'd be helpful. Maybe Commissioner Wald, are you able to do so right now? If not, we can just move straight to public comment. I'm fine, Come, uh, President on. thank you. Sounds good. So Kyle, let's go ahead and open up public comment. We will begin with public comment here in the room. Once in-person comment has concluded, we will proceed to remote public comment. Are there any members of the public who are present in the room today who wish to speak? If so, please come forward one by one and speak clearly into the mic. Seeing none, we will proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. Deidre, do we have any callers in the queue? Give me a moment to check the queue. There are no other callers in the queue. Thank you. Let's go on to the next item then, please. The next item is update on status of bottle bank program rollout. Sponsor is Deborah Ravel, director. The speaker is Kevin Drew, zero waste coordinator. This item is for discussion. Uh, director Raphael, can you introduce this item again? Thank you, President On. So we are lucky to have our own Kevin Drew here tonight. Um, one of the challenges that we have been trying to solve as a city is how to get people to be able to redeem the five and 10 cents for their bottles and cans. This is a state law, not a city law. The failure of this program is not really under the purview of our department, but we, that doesn't stop us from trying and leaning in. And so Kevin, in his can-do, why-not attitude, said, let's apply for a grant and see if we can figure out how to do a pilot, do something different here in San Francisco, and show the state the path forward. So last fall, we came to you, and we affectionately call this the CRV, right? California Redemption Value, CRV pilot. 
And we thought it was important now to come back and let you know how it's going. And uh, with that, I will turn it over to Kevin. Thank you, Debbie. Thanks, Commissioner Buffel. Uh, Thanks, uh, Commissioner Kahn, President Kahn, Ahn, and the other members of the commission here for hearing a little bit of an update on Bottle Bank. Uh, I think got a PowerPoint lined up. Here we go. Uh, and the most important thing about this is it, it, it is a partnership uh, that I want to, I'll explain to you a little more about that as it's evolved. Uh, as Debbie said, it is not a, our city's responsibility to take care of this. Is, this is a state law. And it's very rare for a city to get involved. And I think we're uh, showing our environmental credibility by doing so. Next slide. First slide, actually. This is a kind of a memory of where we've come from. This is mobile recycling about 100 years ago. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that guys like this, uh, whose grandkids may work for Recology now, were out doing just this sort of thing. And they'd come into your neighborhood and pick up whatever you had and pay you for it if it was worth anything. Uh, that's how scavenging worked. Uh, next, go to the next slide. And this is where, uh, the, where we were in the past. You see this kind of a, a more recent history, the last 30 years or so, from 1990 to, to now. We used to have 30 recycling centers in the city uh, that would buy your bottles and cans back, back in 1990. As you can see, that declined over time to 20 sites and then to four sites. And this past year, or this past, since COVID, just before COVID started, we had about one site left. Uh, Recology had two sites they operated, but when COVID hit, they closed those sites because they were trying to maintain the kind of safety of the sites because their bigger question was serving the city. And we got down to just one site. Uh, and it's that one site that we partnered with to uh, propose this pilot program that you're hearing about. Next slide. These are the goals, which really, as Debbie mentioned, it's about making uh, CRV accessible to all people in the city of San Francisco, which is about reaching all the retailers, the consumers, and the businesses, uh, all of whom use containers in one way or sell containers in, to, into the community. Uh, we have 722 beverage dealers in San Francisco, and each one of them is responsible in some way. Uh, and we, we do an enormous 800 million containers in San Francisco a year. And I believe that number has gone up during COVID. Uh, and the last, that last slide is about, really this is an opportunity for us to mix kind of equity and product stewardship into a functional uh, economic model, which is really what a deposit law is. It's about getting people's money back and doing it in a way that creates good jobs, that creates good neighborhoods uh, and reaches everyone. This is an, an opportunity for us to really shine in that way. Next slide. This is what our bottle bank truck looks like now. This is actually a truck from the Conservation Corps. Uh, they owned that. It was uh, purchased with bottle bill money from Cal Recycle, and they have wrapped it with our logo and are uh, putting their employees in it and going to sites around the city, which, next slide. This is what the bottle bank bags look like. These are barcoded at the bottom. This is a this is a, uh, a mixed blessing. Once again, here we are talking about using plastic bags, but if you look at any recycling center in the state of California, everyone brings their material to the recycling center in plastic bags. This is something, as a, as a culture, we've got to re rethink, and I think the rethinking is about reuse and going back to returnable bottles, which is what, was, what I was using when I was a kid. 
But uh, next slide, I can show you a little more about how the bottle bank works. Uh, there's a simple uh, registration process uh, with your computer. You can do it at, at your home workstation. You can do it from your phone. You can do it at the sites uh, at the, where the trucks are and sign up there. It takes about one or two minutes to, you don't have to have any uh, uh, identification. You don't have, there's no uh, legal requirement about where you live. People in California who buy beverage containers are entitled to get their money back. There's no, it's not a citizenship question. It's a simple that you bought it, you deserve it back. So it's easy for you to sign up. Uh, once you sign up, you get an account, you get the bags. The bags are that look like this. Uh, they come in two packs that are free. We have them at uh, over 50 stores in the city of San Francisco now, distributing them to folks. And then you fill them with your containers, bring them back to the, to the uh, one of the trucks at the sites, and there's a little barcode on the bottom of the bag which the staff scans in and that goes, is credited to your account. Uh, then you can access that funds through, uh, it, you can link it to your bank account, through Venmo or PayPal, or at this time you can go to OPR, Our Planet Recycling, the recycler I mentioned, and get cash there. We are working very hard to get more cash options, uh, which is what they have in other states that, there's only about three states that have this system and in those other states, Maine and Oregon, uh, the grocers provide the cash dispensary or the cash disbursement for people who are in the account. What's nice about it is that it's an account that's like kind of like a kind of like a Mastercard, but we're trying to stay away from that because there's a lot of costs involved in Mastercards. But a simple membership card that you can go to the cashier at a grocery store and get your cash back. I think that's where we'll get eventually. We're not there yet. Next slide. This is a uh, uh, picture of the Smart Count AI, which is a uh, electronic counting system that the state of Oregon has developed in their bottle bank program. A bottle, it's called Bottle Drop up there. And it takes a picture, as you can see on that screen. This is a video, but I don't think we're going to show it to you. Right, Charles? No. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that picture in the center, uh, photograph in the center of the, this picture is the photographic image of what's inside the, uh, underneath the camera there. And it, is a lot, it, it counts the pictures, or excuse me, it counts the containers, and you can see the picture. If there's any dispute, we can call up the picture. This is a very uh, advanced technology that Oregon has, and our system was not to invent this again, but to take the best existing uh, technology, bring it down here, and use that to assure folks that we can give them the accurate count. If there's any dispute, they can call the customer center, again, from Oregon that's already set up, and they can contest it. This, they can call up this exact picture and take a look at your account and go over it together. The customer's always right in this system. That's how they do it up in Oregon, and that's how we'll do it here, because we want to, be, we want to build trust with the, with the consumer. Next slide. This is the, the conservation corps staff that are helping us at the sites. Um, they have been they've been really uh, just an excellent contributor and really collaborated from the very first uh, stage. As I said, with the with their uh, trucks, with their staff, with their offices, their warehouse. Uh, they have been the the butter and butter of the whole program, and and they really see it as a as a, a great equity play. These are jobs that can make a difference in neighborhoods. The point of the pilot is not just to get the bottles and cans, but to see how much it costs to do it well. 
One of the problems in the old system was, and it's true around a lot of the, around, sort of around the world, is a race to the bottom. How can you do it cheapest? Which is not really good for the environment, it's not good for the people who do the work, and it's not really good for the, it's not actually good for the material because it gets treated sloppily. So this way, and the, the Conservation Corps uh, statewide is looking at taking our model and using it in, in the other 11 or so state uh, conservation cores that exist around California. Next slide. And here's just a list of the, uh, the different partners. Our Planet Recycler is the, is the certified recycler by the state of California. The Conservation Corps you've heard about. I've worked with the Conservation Corps for over 25 years here in the city, and this is really one of the best projects we've done in all, those t in all that time. And they're super excited about uh, the, the kind of level of skills and the things that we're teaching the, the young folks. And the young folks are rising to it as well because they see it as a mix of kind of the hard work kind of part of it and the kind of cool work part of it by using electronic, and electronic uh, systems and telling their friends about it, um, getting on TikTok. Uh, let's see, we also have our department and Cal Recycle. Cal Recycle is, uh, is a state agency that oversees uh, the bottle bill and they have been funding it and they are extremely excited about the program as well. Next slide. This is a project timeline. Uh, Debbie mentioned, I mean, actually, I think the first meeting, the first day she got on the job, which I think was in 2015, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was, a, was a bottle bill uh, question. And uh, we've been at it ever since. Um, and it, so it, it has taken a lot of time, but I think we've had to build this from the ground up. We had to get legislation passed. We had to get regulations put in place. Uh, and then we had to work through with Cal Recycle to actually get the thing up and running. Uh, there's been criticism of our speed, uh, but as I said, we've wanted to build this with a partnership and build this with people who have experience, who are experts at this and cannot, so there are, we're not, uh, we don't have to invent it ourselves. We can have build trust that way. And so, as you see here, uh, we actually got certified back in August of 2019 after the, the bill passed in 2017. It took another two years from August 2019 to June of 2021, just six months or so ago, for Cal Recycle to formally uh, adopt our program as approved pilot. And then six months later is when we got our first sites open, which was just January of this year. Next slide. And I think this is, yeah, this is a highlight of how we've been doing. So far, we've been open 65 days. We have over 1,000 people have signed up. Over 742 people have turned, different accounts have actually burnt, brought a bag in. Uh, we redeemed uh, 90,000 containers, uh, over almost $5,000 that we've returned to folks. Um, and this is, this is the modest growth that a brand new program that is not Elon Musk or Apple or Facebook. I mean, we're doing it ourselves by, you know, in our, on our feet with our hands and legs. Uh, and, and it has been really gratifying. The folks that are working on it really like it. The folks who use it find it to be convenient. Uh, next slide. And here's the sites that we're using right now. We, we have five sites that we've leased. We've used two at the moment because they were the, seemed to be the most convenient. One was Stonestown and the other one was down at 13th Street, not far from the here that kind of helped serve the, the downtown area. We have uh, some space uh, down south of Market uh, that we're adding those sites in the next month uh, to 
increase the number of places where people can go. We also have soda up at the, you can't see it on the map here because of the, the subtitles, but it's up in the center of the city, obviously. Um, and we're working with the, the principal there, as well as the principal at John O'Connell High School in the Mission to have a special event, kind of a one-off uh, pop-up event where people can that will organize the, the kids, the students, and the parents to bring their containers down for one particular day. We're trying to learn how to build an audience. Essentially, we don't. We, this is a this is new for us, and we have to. People have to find out who we are. They then have to find us, and then have to use us in order to get uh, that kind of positive feedback loop going. Next slide. And this is a, actually, believe it or not, we're really just rolling out our first outreach here. We have not done a lot of outreach because we wanted to be cautious about how we started, and we needed to know that we could actually do the job before we got overwhelmed. We're the, on the left-hand side here is, uh, with the QR code, is a, a social media, uh, well, excuse me, that's a sandwich board that's gonna be out in front of our sites on the street. We didn't have that before this. We're also gonna have that kind of long uh, teardrop kind of thing that stands up in front of uh, used car dealerships. Uh, always one of my things I always wanted to be was a used car dealer. Um, no, it, it's ways of people noticing who we are and where we are. Uh, thus far, it's been mostly electronic, and that's been very effective at reaching people, but now we need to kind of get out there and compete on the ground with the regular retail folks. Um, and the other part of the outreach has been a major um, play with social media. Uh, all the partner organizations you see have their own social media platforms. This, the library, who we just saw here, is going to have no, uh, a blurb in each of their newsletters at each of the branch libraries. Uh, and many other steps like that are ones that we're taking right now. Next slide. I think that's about it. I'd love to answer any questions you might have. Yes, Director Raphael. I just want to thank you so much, Kevin. That was a great summary. And I just want to say that this Kevin O'Connell model, the high school, so what they're going to do is they're going to have a day event, but the money, so they're asking all the students at the high school, bring your bottles and cans, and then the money goes as a fundraiser to the school. So it's just such an easier way to use this, these deposits to raise money. And what we want to do is show this to everyone else, show it to the Boys and Girls Club, show it to a church. You know, It's so easy, these bags, you just take the bags and maybe if you contract with um, the Conservation Corps, they'll be there on that day. They'll take the bags from you. It's not messy, it's not noisy, and you just, they go away and you get money in, a, in the account of the school. So it's a really lovely system, and we think it's going to um, expand the opportunities and the benefits of this redemption throughout the city. It's very, very exciting. Yes, Vice President Stevens. Um, that was an awesome presentation, thank you. And um, I also wanna um, give a big shout out to the design, whoever did the design, it's fantastic, it looks amazing. And I think a lot of times when you talk about recycling or you talk about um, rolling out sort of equity programs, it feels like design's an afterthought. And I think that making this beautiful and look like something that's sort of like you're proud to take part in, I think that's really amazing. So kudos to that. Um, and I, my other question was going to be collab with schools, so I'm just glad to hear that. Um, do we think that this, over time, is going to increase recycling, or is it going to simply be a vehicle to make sure that people are getting the 
money back. It's both. It, it, we hope it'll do both, actually. One of the key things about the bottle bill is that it gets material back separate. It's really clean streams of aluminum, plastic, glass, those materials. And when, they are, <clears throat> when they're kept clean, they have higher value in the marketplace. Uh, something that was kind of not mentioned, but uh, Assemblymaker Ting, Ting from our assembly member here has been authoring legislation that drives the marketplace towards these better materials at a higher value, and then you're going to create jobs in San Francisco, in California as well. He's making that a requirement of uh, recycled content in containers in the future. You need to have clean container material in order to do that. So it's, that's kind of built another building block of a better economy. Uh, so we, but our, our goal here is we've seen a, de a huge decline in the amount of containers that are redeemed in San Francisco over the last couple of decades, as you can see by the reduction of sites. So we're, our goal is to, is to bring back 8 million containers. 8 million containers is 1% of our container consumption in San Francisco. So we want to go after 8 million in bytes, one after the other. Our goal is to get about 10 bytes that will be 80 million containers, but that's going to take us like three years, we think, three to four years. That would only get us back towards an 80% redemption rate, which is where we were once upon a time. We're down in the 60 to 50%. And every one of those percentage points of non-redemption, even, even though it may end up in curbside, does not go into the pockets of the people who paid for that. Each 1% is around, is, is, actually I don't, I know this. I want to say it's like a half a million dollars. So it's, a, I mean, there's a significant amount of money that is essentially being left on the table or going back to Cal Recycle uh, and not going into the pockets of either schools or people, you know, low-income people who need it or just anybody who wants to get their money back. And there's a weird thing about this that Oregon has found. They just raised their redemption uh, number from five cents a bottle to 10 cents a bottle. And that really got the attention of people. People are pay attention to the containers again. We've all just become kind of, thoughtless about it. We just, ah, it's too hard to do. I just let somebody else get it. It's, it's, a, it's sort of that race to the bottom kind of thing. There's a, there's a real respect that you have for the environment when you take care of any particular material. And we've lost that connection. They found that, they, they discovered that in Oregon in this last few years. They just raised the rate two years ago and their numbers are up over to 90%. So it's funny how we seem to, we've seemed to have ceded the caring for containers to someone else. Whether it's a homeless person or someone in the neighborhood, I mean, it's just we're just not paying attention, and I think that's a mistake from our, you know, kind of philosophically or emotionally for us to not feel that way. Uh, okay. So, and what happens to the money that isn't recouped? Well, that goes into actually that's a big issue of Cal Recycle. That's sitting in the in the beverage and container recycling fund, which is the funds that we are accessing. They've got a six hundred million dollar surplus there. Uh, it's a bit of an embarrassment, but it's a, it, that's, it's a resource. I think we need to find a way to make good use of it. Uh, and so, for instance, building back an, a, a better renew, renewable regenerative economy is one of those things. So that's, again, where the pilot is supposed to establish the cost of this, these Kevin pie in the sky dreams. But that's, I, you know, I, I don't think they're... That pie in the sky tastes good to everybody, not just me. And I think, there's, I think there is a value to that. And that's part of what I'd like to come back and report on on a continuing basis. That's great. Thanks. Um, a follow-up to that. That was actually what I was most worried about is the scale of this problem is so astonishing. As we uh, know at the state level, there's a lot of policy being pushed forward to try to address it. You know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And mm -hmm. right now, we're working with thousands of dollars back to San Franciscans in particular. 
But I, I guess, like, given all that, what do you see as the most effective way to try to increase? Is it about increasing the number of deposit locations, or is it about increasing our marketing efforts? Like, what do we need to push on more heavily to build out this pilot? Program? Well, yeah, thanks for that. I mean, we this is the experimentation that we're going through right now, and we'll see how this advertising works. I think raising the price will get everybody's attention. And, and you'll see people start to really care. The trick is that now we have inflation going on and that's gonna be a harder push at the state level to actually get that nickel up to a dime. Um, that would be the, the single best thing we could do. The other thing that we're gonna do is try to be everywhere it, it, and eventually be, our goal is to have 30 sites, which is three per, approximately three per supervisor's district by the end of next year, at the end of 2023. Uh, but I really don't see any reason why we couldn't have, if the pop-ups were, like we were just, like Debbie was talking about, you know, it's like food trucks. You didn't know you needed food trucks, but now they're everywhere and they're wherever <laughs> you want them when you want them. I mean, you know, that's why can't it be like that? And there's no reason why it can't, because we've seen that you can get a burrito delivered in that direction, so why can't you get your bottles and cans picked up? I think there's a lot of uh, really innovation. Actually, Oregon is amazing how they have, I think more than 50% of all households in Oregon are members of bottle, their bottle drop system. And they have grown way faster than they ever thought they were gonna grow. Uh, and it's just so convenient. That's the other thing about that is they're now big enough that they're starting to drive the plastic market. They can, their, their bags and our bags are made out of recycled content. You can only get to 50% recycled content in a, in a plastic bag before it starts to degrade. That, that's a technology thing that needs to be improved. But they are now forcing, they're collecting them all and then sending them back to the same bag manufacturer and saying, make our bags into new bags. They, could, they have enough power because they have enough of the same product coming to their singular uh, producer in a contracted fashion that they can drive the marketplace. California is 10 times bigger than Oregon. So we can drive a much bigger marketplace. Other questions or comments from, yes, Commissioner Sullivan. Uh, thank you, great presentation. Um, I wanted to ask about a statistic that you gave. I think you, you said 60% of the beverage containers are going through the system at the moment, which was down from 80? In, in San Francisco, it's around there, uh, around 50 to 60%. Uh -huh. And I, I would assume that most of the recycling of aluminum cans, for example, in the city actually happens by people throwing their cans in the blue bin and not getting the nickels back at all. Does that, does that count towards the 60%? It does. It, no, that doesn't. That's 60, uh, yes, it counts towards the 60%. Um, the, the nickel, actually, Recology gets, and all, all um, service providers in the state can access the, the funds from the value of the material because they, they count it separately. They sell glass separately. They sell aluminum separately. And they know the commingled percentage. It's not 100% CRV, but it's 70% or 80%. And so they get a discount. They get like four cents a container as opposed to five cents. So Recology does get that money. It's all part of the rate process, uh, and, and it's calculated. And so I actually, I think you were driving at a specific question in there, like how much is it, how much the consumers are getting, or how much is the, how much is the split between the CRV versus curbside? I, I actually was, I started out with skepticism that anywhere near that percentage would be going would be achieved by people bringing their cans for the nickel. Because just like you, I remember when I was 10 years old, I would, I would scavenge uh, the downtown area of my little village in upstate New York to find those <laughs> bottles because it was five cents. And that was a lot in 1971. Yep. <laughs> um, 
And it's just, like you said, it's not, five cents is not what it used to be. So no. It makes yeah. a lot more sense that, that the, the blue bin uh, recycling is counting towards that's a, that's a very common uh, kind of perception but we just had this I've just had this reinforced recently statewide about 80% of redemption value comes from recycling centers and only 20% comes from curbside mm -hmm. curbside program is still relatively rare and even in San Francisco where there's one recycling center left open it is the busiest recycling center in the state of California over on on mm -hmm. Bayshore across from Lowe's that's our partner in this project uh, two Hungarian brothers who have been doing just doing an amazing job, just really working really, really hard, uh, and and serving our you know people that San Francisco is proud to be have have a part of it. You know, those are the folks we I've known pretty much my whole career here, uh, who are working hard to keep the city clean and make a make a living. Uh, and it's, it's you know it's really salt of the earth kind of thing that we we must remember as we get more flighty in our Teslas and whatnot else. There still is this, you can, do, you can make a difference at this very basic level. I grew up in upstate New York and did the same thing you did. I'm a little bit older than you would think, maybe not. <laughs> and and it, you know, I, I think that's what Oregon found was being reinvented when the price went up a little bit. Uh, so I think we can, I think we can reignite that. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, Commissioner Wan. Yes, just have a comment. Thank you for the presentation. I was really excited when you first presented the Volotank yeah. program a couple years ago. Um, especially, I remember very vividly, I see that sometimes that people pulling their cart with lots of cans all the way from yep. downtown to Third Street. This is not an easy route, so I'm really glad to see that more sites that we'll be going to provide to the community. I'm very interested to follow up with um, President An's uh, comments. Hopefully, there'll be more location really at different neighborhoods, especially underserved community. Even though the income might not be major, but it could be a very important income source for some of them. Uh, residents in mm -hmm. San Francisco, and I'm very interested to see how you move forward with different marketing plan or like communication plan, especially to non-English speaking communities, so that they also will understand. Or even like for people who are not as savvy technology-wise, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. how to deal with the card, how to actually redeem the money, like cash from the mm -hmm. card. It, that's more like I think some educational or like informational plan for really target to them to go through step by step. I think those will be really crucial. No, absolutely, and, and that's why at our we we have the conservation corps at the sites to sit down and talk with people. We have language folks with language skills there. Everything is in three languages currently, uh, but we do need help getting more sites. It was very hard for us to get these first sites up because, sadly enough, people remember the old-fashioned recycling centers, which were like Thunderdome compared to the bucolic thing that Commissioner Sullivan and I used to do as kids. You know, to go down and get your money back. 10 years ago was a quite, quite an interesting experience. And so they, no one wanted to have one of these trucks show up at their yard, their, their, their parking lot. But it's, but it's completely clean. It comes and it goes. It's, it's staffed by you know, kids who look like they care what they're doing. And we really need help finding more places to do this. I want to get into CCDC. I want to get into Pinyuan. I want to get into the churches in neighborhoods because they can then use this as a fundraiser. We pay for the parking spaces. We don't, it's not free, we're, we're paying, we're renting those spaces from you, um, as well as you being able to get the money from, say, your parishioners who come to and drop off a bag at the, when we're in your church parking lot. So that, that we, I, would, I really need your help in that respect. In terms of marketing, we're, that's, again, something we're kind of learning uh, as we go. We're using a lot of electronic means, you know, uh, 
social media is everything these days. But I also know that good old fashioned, you know, a sandwich board on the street on the on the sidewalk will make a huge difference when you're walking around and you don't know how to, where to go. So I'm. I really would like to work with you more, and I apologize for having that I haven't gotten more spaces, but we're we're still at it, and then and, and we are growing smoothly and slowly. And I appreciate that we haven't tried to get we haven't been overrun by people, which is which could happen. And one last question: mm -hmm. I, I saw the little little thing on the bag that it can't be crushed. They can right because yeah. to keep the quality right exactly yeah so that and so so for instance when you're trying I've I've worked with folks who walk from Chinatown to uh, Bayshore to the Bayshore site and you know they crush it and they very they're very very efficient super efficient and we don't want them to stop doing that I mean if, I mean we'd like them to help them figure out a way to do it better and by bringing a site closer to them that'll be better but that. The problem is that you can't crush them. And so I see it as people will still do what they currently do, but they'll be able to augment that by doing, dropping some containers remotely and having them electronically pay, show up in their bank account and then getting the other stuff too. So I think there'll, you know, my experience of working in, the, in this with redemption folks for 30 years is they're incredibly cagey and they're just not, we're not thinking ahead of them. They're way ahead of us. Well, thank you for your work. Sure. One quick follow-up, Kevin. You mentioned three languages. Is Cantonese one of those languages? I'm sorry? Is, is Cantonese one of the three languages? Yes. Okay, that's good. I, I mean, Commissioner Wan, this brings up memories of the old San Francisco uh, op-ed that we both penned as actually nonprofit executive directors, but essentially it was around the anti-Asian attack that happened in Bayview Hunters Point right before the pandemic went down. If you remember, there was uh, infamous video coverage of that incident. And to me, like, if we can provide more access, more opportunity for particularly Asian Pacific Islander communities in San Francisco, that, that would be really meaningful. Um, any other comments or questions? Though? Yes, no. Commissioner Romano. Just a comment on the marketing and outreach. It seems to me that small businesses, for instance, bars and restaurants, you know, would really be uh, helpful to that effort, especially those who are going to engage a, a church those are easy places for folks to get to, so I think that there's so many ways for us to work with you on that. Once we get into penetration into more neighborhoods and people become familiar with it, I think you will see those kind of partnerships arise because right now people have kind of forgotten about the Imperial but because they didn't have an easy way to do it and, or there was nobody they knew who was benefiting from it. But one of the biggest things in Oregon is the uh, donation system to nonprofits, and then people also they, the Oregon system allows you to connect it to your your um, uh, college fund, you know, so that you can put it into your kid's college fund and get a tax write-off for it. So there's, I mean, there's avoid the tax cost there. Uh, so there's a lot of creative ways that I think we can use this that really get us back to this to, again to the place there. Uh, Commissioner Sullivan and I were 50 years ago ish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I believe, oh yes, Commissioner Hunter, and then we'll move to Commissioner Wall. Yeah, I, I just want to say thank you for delivering such a high quality presentation. I feel thank like you. you know your stuff more than anyone that I've seen before. <laughs> Being able to clearly articulate what you've accomplished to date and the benchmarks that you have laid out for the future is something that we as a commission have asked uh, presenters previously. and. As you can tell, you made everyone up here excited about a bottle recycling program. Well, thank you. That's, thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for all of your hard work. Okay. And Commissioner Wald, we'll go to you too. Well, Commissioner Wald. Thank you. 
Uh, I, too, want to commend Kevin on his uh, terrific uh, presentation. I want to commend my fellow commissioners because probably as a function of his enthusiasm and his knowledge uh, for the subject matter, I thought all of your comments uh, were really terrific and helped expand uh, you know, the, our knowledge of this program. Uh, first, I just have to say, I, I really think it's a shame and kind of embarrassing, not kind of, really embarrassing how, you know, what's happened to the redemption program uh, in San Francisco. So I am personally very gratified to see that we are making such a great effort to, to turn that around. I would like to suggest, Kevin, that if you haven't already, that you think about uh, partnering uh, with some of our most heavily used uh, parks and other recreation uh, facilities. I don't mm -hmm. know if the truck can fit in one parking space along, you know, a street, but I bet if you had that park parked uh, near Dolores Park mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on a weekend, you'd mm -hmm. find a lot of people who mm -hmm. wanted to gather mm -hmm. bottles mm -hmm. and uh, bring them uh, to the truck. Similarly, I think the same thing would happen at other um, venues like um, Golden Gate Park, particularly when there's some kind of event there. And, and that would enable, I too used to collect bottles, but mostly with my children, <laughs> but that would, that would uh, you know, be an outlet for lots of kids, mm -hmm. uh, as well as uh, a host of other people who could benefit from this program. So I would just suggest that we not limit it um, at all in terms of thinking about the kinds of places where having access to this program would make a big difference in terms of achieving its goals. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Wall. Actually, uh, Rec Park is one of uh, one of the places we have a we made a proposal to them two years ago, and they said, "Uh-uh, uh, we don't think we want another recycling center thing." And I think it's because they couldn't imagine what it was going to be like, and they only had the bad taste in the past from past experience. Um, and so I, I'm happy to go. I'm looking forward to going back to talk with them and see what we can do. Again, we're paying rent, and right. and Marina Green uh, parking lot is empty like a lot. You know, and I don't want to go there when there's a lot of people. I want to go wherever you are, where nobody is, and, and, and use that space effectively, because the recyclables will come. Yes. Thanks. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I have one last question. Yes, Vice President Stevenson. Um, I know that you got a grant. How does this get paid for going forward? How, how does this get How does paid? this get paid for going forward? Yeah, actually, the um, the... There's a variety of different funds. There's, there's a, uh, uh, I think we mentioned at the beginning, we applied for a grant with CalRecycle for their regular nonprofit or city uh, jurisdiction grant. That was a competitive grant, we got a half a million dollars, which we spent on this. Actually, that's what's been spent to this point uh, for getting the, the project off the ground. And we also have every year, every city in the state gets a uh, per capita allocation of unredeemed funds. It's called the city county payment fund. We get about $200,000 from that fund every year. It can only be used for CRV activity, which we didn't have any of. Frankly, we had to think this up to figure out how to spend that money. 
Um, and so we did. And we've spent about three or so rounds of that $200,000 getting this program up and running. The next chunk of money there is a million dollars that was from a, uh, a assembly member Ting provided uh, funding for five pilots. There, there's only five pilots in the state, we're one of them. And there's a $5 million fund, so we have a million dollars just started to spend up from that fund. And uh, just last year, the legislature ex extended the pilot and increased it to 10, five more pilots, and they added another $5 million. So we're expecting to get another chunk of a million dollars. I'm spending money like a one on paper hanger here. I mean, I'm kind of spending a lot of money on, on this project, but I feel like it's important to learn how to do this so we can do it well in the future. And that's what we're, we're keeping track of all those costs. And we're getting the, the participation of the Conservation Corps, who again is spending California redemption money. Mm -hmm. That's how they're funded. So it's, it's, really, it's really interesting to think about, this is what gets you to think about producer responsibility. Mm -hmm. And what is the cost to a producer of a beverage to get that beverage to the lips of a person who wants to drink it? You know, and what is the right cost and what are the right set of things that need to happen in order to have and it doesn't turn out to be very much. It might be a penny a container. It might be half a cent a container. Can pay for all of these things that I'm talking about. It's really, and I don't have the answer yet, but that's what we're intended to find out. Thanks. Can I? Yes, Director. I want to, Commissioner Stevenson, that's a really important point that you raise, which is what is the long game? You know, <laughs> we're right now very involved in this pilot. The long game is not to have the city running this no. program. That is not the long game. So Kevin, why don't you talk about the yeah. long game? Yeah, actually that's a good point, Debbie. Uh, I mean, this trying to help people understand how much it really costs and realize that if you spread the cost out, it really isn't significant. And if everybody's playing ball, then it becomes a lot easier for those of us, because for those who used to, like Safeway. Safeway used to have all, had all the sites mm -hmm. and they, that was an unfair burden. Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, they didn't have anything. So that's not right. Um, and the long game is really to help get, like the plastics initiative that was discussed earlier, there's different efforts out there to try to figure out how to develop uh, funding. It's not exactly a tax, it's more like a use. Uh, everybody pays, if you use it, you, you pay it. If you don't use it, you don't have to. Uh, and it's paying for a full, full range, real, real jobs really good work out in, out in the community with those where there's a facility that does, you know, like a smelter or a plastics recycling. It's not a race to the bottom. It is a race to the top to get those to pay for what is really the shared economic uh, cost and a shared social value, cultural value. Uh, it, it doesn't seem to be that hard of an equation and we're talking about a penny. You know, people want to say it's going to cost, going to break the bank. Well, yes, Nestle might make a tiny bit less money or Budweiser or some of those folks because a, a lot of the excess costs or the, the additional cost is up at that high level. And honestly, we need to provide a model for how to kind of attack that in a, in a positive way. It's just, everything we've talked about here is really pretty positive. And I, I think that even the beverage folks understand that and at some point will come along uh, to help us make this system work. It just, it's, it's absurd to me that we can have all the things we have from the internet to Tesla's to this, that, and the other, and we don't think through a problem like this to solve it um, in, in what I think is actually a pretty straightforward way. Uh, so the long game is to, get, is to get the stores, to get the producers, to get the brands 
in on the in, really in the game, and they listen to cities. They don't want to have to have a one-off in San Francisco and a one-off in Los Angeles. They want to have a system, mm -hmm. and they'll do that. And so, what our goal is to show what's possible here, and that will drive legislation to mandate it statewide. So this is the problem right now is the bottle bill is not working. There's all this arm wrestling over which version of it needs to happen. They've been talking about reforming it for years. Nothing changes. And so we're stuck in this eddy current of nothing going forward. So in San Francisco, we're saying, okay, that's ridiculous. Give us permission to do something different. Give us funding to show you how it's done. Let us figure it out. And then use our experience as a model for statewide legislation. So that's, what, that's the long game. The long game is that we show what's possible, the state adopts it, they use it, they legislate it, and we step back. I also see Commissioner Wald has her hand up. Uh, Commissioner Wald, go ahead, please. Thank you very much. Uh, we could probably go on all night on this topic. <laughs> I am. Just wondering, in terms of the long game, isn't there really a tension here between getting this program uh, up, getting an effective redemption program up and running across the state of California, and the fundamental problem of uh, people buying um, single-use beverages in single-use beverage containers? And surely the goal is to not have people do that, right. while at the same time making sure that those people who do do that have some, and the bottles that they buy are disposed of properly. But sometime I would like to hear thoughts, maybe, probably not tonight, thoughts on how we deal with the first half of that equation, namely how do we minimize the production, purchase, and consumption of these kinds of products rather than just deal with them efficiently mm -hmm. once they have been uh, produced. Mm -hmm. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Wall. That's, you're right about that. And I think part of the legislation in the initiative that was discussed uh, previously gets at putting costs onto those kinds of containers so that you push them out of the marketplace because they're they don't compete as, as effectively as some of the others uh, and some of the other ideas there are that the is going back to uh, uh, reuse refillables I mean actually refillables are more efficient it, 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 I think it still is true and it's proven over and over again and Europe does it and many other countries do it uh, so those are ways to still allow us because we weren't doing we weren't doing what commissioner wald is suggesting we were getting these ridiculous containers that you know are out there for kids these you know flimsy things that throw away and and tied and other laundry detergents in third world countries come uh, come in these ridiculous packages because they can get away with that it's like that's that just doesn't make sense uh so we we do i think you're you're right commissioner wald to point at how to go after both prongs of the problem uh, there's the consumption and the production piece. I'm, I'm, evidently, I'm evidently going to work forever, so come on, just bring up the ideas. Um. <laughs> if there's no other comments or questions on deck, maybe we should go to public comment. Go 
Thank you, President Ani. And I do want to note um, that Commissioner um, Juan had to leave the meeting, but we do still have a quorum. We will begin public comment here in the room. Once in-person comment has concluded, we will proceed to promote public comment. Are there any members of the public who are present in the room today who wish to speak? If so, please come forward one by one and speak clearly into the mic. Seeing none, we will proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. Deidre, do we have any callers in the queue? Give me a moment to show this you. Can you hear me now? Yes. David Bilfell, slightly ahead of Deidre, but not by very much. Um, okay, so I, it's hard to add more uh, to your uh, great discussion. I missed uh, some of it because I was on another meeting, but I know that uh, Debbie and Kevin uh, recapped things uh, amazingly well. To Commissioner Walden and the rest of you, yes, uh, reduce, reuse, recycle, and rot. Also, increase participation and reduce contamination. Make it accessible to people in community, in language, in the narrow, it's about nickels and dimes. Ultimately, it's about banking the unbanked. Uh, yes, we need to fix CRV uh, statewide and deal with Cal Recycle, but ultimately we have to pilot what works and demonstrate that we can uh, do this in San Francisco with all of its complications. And if we can do it here, then you can scale it up, scale it down, uh, again, community, language, whatever. If it works here, it can work in LA, it can work in Fresno, uh, it can work in Arcata. Um, so we're trying to, to figure it out. Uh, Kevin is absolutely the right guy to, to sort through all the, the craziness around this and you can be assured that it is absolutely uh, a million moving parts uh, at all times and uh, lots of people trying to do the right thing. And, and sorting through that requires uh, a Kevin kind of attention. Um, and uh, at, at the same time, uh, unfortunately, you've got uh, uh, somebody in the media and somebody uh, in an advocacy group in Southern California that uh, uh, is making this into uh, some kind of issue that, that they can use for their own purposes. And I believe that that is getting in the way of uh, successful program implementation and fine tuning. So I hope that we would um, do what we have to do to comply with the requests that they make, but ultimately keep the eye on the, uh, on the ball here and make this work, fine tune it, um, and um, um, have a successful uh, pilot and, and continue uh, as this uh, process rolls through um, to uh, make it work. And I'm certainly uh, doing my part uh, to help. So I uh, hope those Thoughts are helpful. Thanks again to uh, Debbie, Kevin, and the rest of the uh, folks, Conservation Corps, OPR, uh, Oregon, et cetera. Thanks. Thank you for your comment. Deidre, do we have any other callers in the queue? Give me a moment to check the queue. There are no other callers in the queue. All right, thank you. Um, and thanks again, Kevin, for your uh, long time work on this. 
next item, please, Kyle. The next item is the director's report. The speaker is Deborah Rafael, director. The explanatory document is the director's report. This item is for discussion. Thank you. So every uh, commission meeting, you get a very detailed director's report, uh, report from the departments of all the work we've been doing. And it's really a fun opportunity for me to reflect back on our work on the last two months. And I just wanna say that this, our department continues to evolve. So we close down programs, we birth new programs, we mature programs. Our essential worker ride home program, which we created uh, during the pandemic so that essential workers could get a taxi ride home covered when transit wasn't um, available to that. That program is now sunsetting. So we started it up and now it's sunsetted uh, in February. We had almost a, th uh, we had 380 to almost 400 uh, applications approved, over 6,000 taxi rides. A lot of essential workers benefited from this program. I wanna thank my staff, uh, Alex Bogdan and her team for all the work that they did in the CTA for being such a great partner. At the same time that we sunset that, we create and birth other programs as of January 1st of this year. Uh, we launched our C&D ordinance, construction and demolition ordinance enforcement program where we are permitting our transporters. And already we have permitted 41 of these transporters. We're starting to collect fee money, working with the sheriff's office, with the public works department, and figuring out what does enforcement really mean for our department. I think you're gonna hear a lot more of that in the next year as we figure out how we transition from a department of carrots to more sticks. Uh, we've done a lot of work asking people to do the right thing because it's the right thing, and now we need to level the playing field and go after the people who that's not enough for them. They need some more um, encouragement, to put it mildly. And that's a new role for us. So we will be thinking very strategically and hard about what it means to stand up enforcement in our department. Uh, to Commissioner Wald's point about going at the source and not just getting better and better at recycling, we have been focusing a lot of attention on reusables. That is a big focus of our outreach program. Uh, our Environment Now program reached out to 75 food and restaurant businesses on behalf of the Rethink Disposables program. So Environment Now, Rethink Disposables as a contractor, we're all working together to help uh, restaurants with reusables. The Green Business Program, you haven't heard about them in a while, but they continue to certify new businesses, really focusing on BIPOC-owned businesses. I don't know how many of you heard, but uh, Commissioner, Commissioner Bermejo, President Ahn, and I were at the Mayor's State of the City speech. She talked a lot about environment. She talked what she, her frame was, this is what climate action looks like. Building housing, that's climate action. Supporting transit, that's climate action. Planting trees, that's climate action. So she really had that wonderful refrain of helping people understand for this mayor what climate action looks like. I just wanna give a couple uh, heads up in terms of Climate Action Month. So April, Climate Action Month. There's gonna be a number of events, two that I wanna put on your radar, um, both on Saturdays, 
One is Saturday, April 23rd, so the day after Earth Day, we're gonna do a family-friendly bike ride. We'll start in Golden Gate Park, we'll end at the beach, so it's all very safe, family-friendly. We'll be stopping at various sites along the way uh, with kid-friendly and adult interesting uh, speakers and activities. So more information on that, but it's uh, 10.30 start time on Saturday, uh, April 23rd. I hope you'll join me there. And then on the next weekend, Saturday, April 30th, there's the first ever Climate Action Youth Service Day. We'll be doing in-language youth programming four sites around the city uh, in partnership with Rec and Park and Children in Nature, uh, doing STEM activities, science activities at these locations as well as restoration activities. So that's gonna be really fun. Uh, and then there's just a whole website full of activities that are going on um, throughout the city in April. And I just wanna give a huge shout out to our outreach program for designing the most beautiful website. And Kyle will send to you all of this information. He will get all of this, including the link to the website so that you can take a look at it because it's beautiful. And if any of your organizations that you're involved with have activities or things that are happening, please let us know, let Kyle know so that we can get them up on the website. So with that, now one of my favorite parts of every meeting and that is to introduce you to the newest members of our department. And not everyone could be here tonight, but we've got um, several members of our Environment Now team. So if you, the four of you who are in the room could come up to the DS and introduce yourself, tell us your name, tell us what you're, where you were beforehand and what you're excited about doing in your new role. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Alejandra Ureño, um, she, her pronouns. Um, I am in the Environment Now team doing outreach. Uh, some of the programs and projects that we are working on, Debbie already mentioned. Um, one of them for sure is Rethink Disposables with uh, Clean Water Action Fund. This encompasses gra uh, grassroots outreach wholesomely. Um, our team members and I are going out into the city, into different districts. We are um, visiting uh, small businesses and offering them the transition from plastic and paper uh, foodware items to reusable ones. Uh, completely free. They, they just look on their face complete shock and I've uh, spoken to different um, business owners who are just completely, completely grateful for um, what we are offering them. Um, I've spoken with uh, business owners who are on, the, are on the verge of shutting down their businesses because they can't afford it. And so the fact that the city is providing such a, a wonderful opportunity for them to save some money as well as send less waste to the landfill to improve their dining experience, uh, so grateful. So it's very rewarding. Um, definitely by far one of my favorite projects. Um, on top of that, um, Energy Access SF, um, it's where we offer different uh, energy programs to different communities around here in the San Francisco. Um, and we ha offer different things for low-income residents as well as um, residents and families from all types of uh, backgrounds. And we just uh, provide them different opportunities to save energy, to save costs on their PG&E bills, things of that sort. 
And last but not least, um, as you have already heard, we are doing outreach on the Bottle Bake CRV program as well. Um, currently, we are reaching out to different uh, community-based organizations here in San Francisco to try to partner with them and uh, reach their different audiences that they work with and table, provide them information um, in different languages, help them register. We are trying to do outreach to um, uh, people of all different backgrounds, whether they have access to technology, whether they don't, um, in Spanish, Cantonese, um, and all of that. And so uh, those are things that we're really looking forward to. As Kevin just mentioned, this is a pilot, and so we're just beginning. But so far, we've got a little traction, um, and we're very excited to uh, move forward with that. Um, I have been here in the department for just a year, uh, completely the highlight of my post-graduation. Uh, I was hired uh, just a year after graduating, um, and I graduated at a time where uh, COVID had just you know, started, um, and so, so many hiring freezes. I was super excited to take off and, and to apply everything that I had learned in college into the real world, but unfortunately, things did not turn out that way, and so it was a very pessimistic time for me. Um, however, coming here and working alongside um, so many people who are just equally as driven to help the environment and um, the communities here is just amazing. It's amazing to work for a city that's so progressive as San Francisco and so forward-thinking and all of the time um, that they put into helping communities and into doing equitable work. Um, and so I just want to thank you all for all your work, especially you, Debbie. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Hi everyone, my name is Eileen Huang and I pronounce she, her and I'm working in the Environment Now team and I joined the team a month ago and working as an environmental outreach and um, before this I worked in the hotel district for four years so the environment is a very new feel for me, it's a brand new concept for me um, I'm very excited to learn more about the different program in the team. And uh, now I'm working with my colleague here in Alejandra, uh, two different program. One is the Rethink This Possible program to help business switch from the single-use footwear to the reusable one. And the other one is the CRV bottle bank program. I'm very happy to reach out to, to different community-based organization and the residents to help them to learn more about the program, to get, get them involved, and um, to have more people participate to the program. And uh, we're going to have the uh, presentation in Cantonese to one of the senior centers in the city next week. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> Thank you. So hi everyone, my name is Catrice. I um, go by she, her, hers. I joined with my colleague Eileen about a month ago. Um, yeah, I'm on the Environment Now team and we've been doing work as you have heard multiple times on the Rethink Disposables. I'm focusing on that and uh, CRV, not so much ESIF, um, but still a great program. And I'm just really excited to be here. Um, I just graduated, or I just finished up my last classes at UC Davis literally last week. Oh. So I'm just like really excited to be right out of college, working on such a great team, doing such great work. And yeah, thank Welcome. you. 
Hi, good afternoon. My name is Tanya Ramirez. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, and I joined the Environment Now team about a month ago. Um, currently working on all the great outreach programs that Alejandra spoke to. Um, and I'm most excited to be out in the communities um, doing grassroots work um, on the outreach programs, especially being able to engage with the Spanish-speaking communities in San Francisco. So that's probably the most exciting part of this uh, new position. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to all that's to come. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, ladies, welcome. You are all such superstars. And thank you for that wonderful um, explanation of what you're working on. And we have one person remotely. Johnny, I think, are you there? Hi, can you hear me? <clears throat> yes. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm in the virtual space right now. It's good to see everybody. Um, I'm Johnny. I've been with the department for also a year now. Um, and like everybody's mentioned, um, I think my what I'm <clears throat> specifically looking forward to is the Rethink program. I feel like as a San Francisco native, kind of giving back to the community, especially BIPOC-led um, restaurants, it's uh, really meaningful work. And yeah, I'm very happy to be on the team um, because everybody's so collaborative and supportive. And before working for the Department of the Environment, <laughs> I worked for the SF Parks Alliance um, in Golden Gate Park. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks, Johnny, and welcome. And our last new employee is actually sitting right up here with you, uh, Mr. Kyle Wenner, who, why don't you just say hello? Hey, thank you, Director Ruffell. Um, again, my name is Kyle Wenner. I'm the new Commission Affairs Officer. Um, previously, I worked for a little group called Home Base, the Center for Common Concerns. Um, it's a nonprofit focused on developing solutions to homelessness just down Market Street. Um, and it, it really is a pleasure to be with you. And I look forward to getting to know you um, and helping you um, in any way I can and supporting your amazing work um, and the department's work um, over the course of the next year. Um, and if I may, thank you very much for your patience and grace with our technological issues tonight, um, especially uh, Commissioner Wald. I really do appreciate your patience. So thank you very much. And that concludes my report. So again, welcome to the new employees and you're doing a great job Kyle, so far with this meeting. So thank you. Um, any commissioner comments or questions? Follow up for Director Rafael. Yes, Commissioner. Um, I guess I just have one here on the bottom of page four. Uh, you were elected to the board of directors of the Northern California Recycling Association? No, not me. I don't know who was elected to that. Or if I was, well, maybe not congratulations to you, but would love uh, maybe next yes. meeting to hear about which staff person was. Okay, great. I will get back to you on that. I do not know who got elected actually by that, but I, I'm glad it wasn't me. So. If no other commissioner comments or questions, maybe public comment, Kyle. We will begin with public comment here in the room. Once in-person comment has concluded, we'll proceed to remote public comment. Are there any members of the public who are present in the room today who wish to speak? If so, please come forward one by one and speak clearly into the mic. 
Seeing none, we will proceed to promote public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. Deidre, do we have any callers in the queue? Give me a moment to check the queue. Yes, David Bill can you hear me now? Yes. Great, uh, David Bill um, So I too uh, read the director's report as usual, very comprehensive uh, layout of uh, all that's uh, going on. Um, I too was concerned about who was elected to the NICRA uh, board on the bottom of page four. Thank you for catching that. I just uh, checked their uh, website and it looks like, I, I can't quite tell who's currently on um, the staff at Environment. Uh, I apologize for that. Uh, but Julia Al and Freddie Coronado appear to be on their uh, board. Um, so I, uh, is Julia may not be with the department now, but maybe Freddie is. I, I apologize, I can't remember. But several of us have been through uh, the, the NICRA board uh, over the years. Um, and uh, that may uh, help answer that question. Um, and again, I don't want to get much uh, ahead of uh, the director, but I do understand that after this uh, report period uh, closed that at least one other um, member of staff um, has left the department and that will probably get reported in the next uh, director's report. And I'm very sad to hear about that person uh, uh, leaving, um, who I think was a, a great contributor uh, to the department and perhaps more on that uh, in the future. But uh, again, uh, great work on all of the uh, various and sundry um, programs and arms of, of the department and uh, congrats to whoever of that group was uh, elected to, to NICRA. It might be uh, worth um, a couple of sentences sometime on the background of uh, NICRA and the connection between uh, the department and that organization and its continued uh, relevance uh, to um, the world, frankly. Okay, thanks for listening. All right, thank you for your comment. Deidre, do we have any other callers in the queue? Give me a moment to check the queue. There are no other callers in the queue, but can I mention that as a NICWIP board member who just joined um, from our staff is Freddy Coronado. He just joined um, the Northern California Recycling Association um, on their board and is now um, active. So just wanted to make a note on that. Great. Thank you, Deidre. All right. Thank you. Uh, Kyle, next item, please. The next item is committee reports. This item is for discussion. Commissioner Sullivan, please give us a report on the policy committee. The policy committee met on March 14th. We heard two presentations, including one on the San Francisco surplus building products reduction and redistribution study. That's a mouthful. Um, we heard from Eden Brookman, James Slattery, and Caitlin Reese. Uh, we also heard a presentation from Lowell Chu on a very exciting electric vehicles communities grant that the department got, uh, $2 million plus to augment the department's EV efforts over a two year period. Uh, we also reviewed and voted to recommend to the commission 
that it approved the EV ordinance that we voted on tonight, the mayor's uh, electric vehicle charging plaza ordinance. Our next meeting is Monday, April uh, 11th, 2022 at five o'clock PM. The policy committee, like uh, both of our committees is meeting virtually and we'll continue to. And I report. Thank you, Commissioner Sullivan. I believe we have to move on to operations now, which would be Commissioner Hunter. Yes. Uh, the committee has not met since January, so there's nothing to currently report. Our next meeting is Wednesday, April 20th at 5 p.m. being held virtually. Excellent. Any discussion on this, commissioners? If none, let's go to public comment. We will begin with uh, public comment here in the room. Once in-person comment has concluded, we will proceed to remote public comment. Are there any members of the public who are present in the room today who wish to speak? If so, please come forward one by one and speak clearly into the mic. And seeing none, we will proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. Deidre, do we have any callers in the queue? Give me a moment to check the queue. There are no other callers in the queue. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, next item then, please, Kyle. The next item is announcements. This item is for discussion. Are there any announcements? Director Raphael, other commissioners? If not, then let's open this up for public comment. <laughs> we will begin with public comment here in the room. Once in-person comment has concluded, we will proceed to remote public comment. Are there any members of the public who are present in the room today who wish to speak? If so, please come forward one by one and speak clearly into the mic. And seeing none, we will proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. Deidre, do we have any callers in the queue? Let me remember to check the queue. There are no callers in the queue. All right. Well, we're getting close to the end of our agenda, which is item 13. Uh, go ahead, Kyle. The next item is new business future agenda items. The speaker is Charles Sheehan, Chief Policy and Public Affairs Officer. This item is for discussion. Thank you, commissioners. I'll be brief. The next policy meeting is April 11. The next operation meeting is April 20th. The next commission meeting is May 24. Um, for that next commission meeting and potentially for future commission meetings, we're looking at bringing to you an update on uh, how our public engagement is going for our climate action plan implementation and future implementation. Um, we may also be bringing to you a comprehensive look at the entire EV program. You've heard a little bit about our grant. You've heard about some ordinances. There's a lot going on, obviously. It's, uh, transportation sector is 47% of our emissions, and so our EV program is uh, something we are actively working on. And of course, we're, we're still trying to bring record retention to you as well, hopefully at the next meeting. I'll take any questions. Any questions? 
or discussion? Uh, seeing none, then public comment, please. We will begin with public comment here in the room. Once in-person comment has concluded, we will proceed to remote public comment. Are there any members of the public who are present in the room today who wish to speak? If so, please come forward one by one and speak clearly into the mic. And seeing none, we will proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. And Deidre, do we have any callers in the queue? Give me a moment to check the queue. There are no callers in the queue. Thank you, Deidre, and thank you, Charles, for that item. And now I think that brings us to the final item. Go ahead, Kyle. The next item is adjournment. The meeting is adjourned. The time is 7.39 p.m. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, everyone. TV. San Francisco Government Television.